Hey everybody, it's Aaron from the Aaron Meta Show. Just before we begin our debut episode of the Can Heat podcast, I just have a few service announcements. Uh, the Aaron Meta Show is currently on hiatus until April, and uh, we'll be giving you announcements of when we're going to finally be back on the air with the Aaron Meta Show. But until then, just to give you a lineup of what's happening on the podcast feed, on Mondays uh, you will get the Can Heat podcast, uh, should the guys uh, want to record an episode for it. Uh, on Tuesdays uh, you will get an episode of Dream Machine, and so uh, we're currently just uh, putting up all all the uh, episodes I have yet to air up on the podcast feed, so they currently go up on Tuesdays. And uh, then on the weekends, uh, you'll get an episode of Pixmix, and so we'll be uh, completing all the Pixmix episodes, uh, going up all the way up to our uh, uh, top five best and top five worst episodes, and also uh, sooner or later, we'll also be doing the Toy Story episode, uh, should we come up to that point. And also, uh, we'll be giving you other content as well up on the podcast feed, so uh, continue to subscribe, uh, go on iTunes, uh, Player FM, Stitcher, uh, also on iHeartRadio as well, and uh, also, if you find a place that you actually can listen to the Aaron Meta show and do you think other people might want to know about it uh, please send us uh, on facebook.com forward slash Aaron Meta show uh, go to twitter which is at Aaron Meta show or uh, message us at aaronmeta.tumblr.com and ask us a question of uh, where you can listen to the Aaron Meta show now without any further ado here is Nick and Scott with the debut episode of the Canned Heat podcast you're listening to Canned Heat on the Aaron Meta show I'm Sam, mate. Let's not be quiet so uh, awkward. We've known each other for quite a while. Uh, Relax yes. into it. First podcast, obviously, so it's all uh, a litmus test, but we've, we've got previous history. We've done radio before, so I reckon we'll be all right, mate. Uh, yes, a long time ago now, um, so it'll be interesting, I think, to see how this goes, to be honest. Um, but it's good. So today we're going to be talking about the first ever NXT UK TakeOver show that happened last night in Blackpool. We had mm-hmm. a couple of different perspectives on it. As you were there, yeah, uh, actually at the show in Blackpool, and I watched it on the WWE Network from my home. Uh, my first question to you was for it was, what was the overall feel in the building like? It was pretty electric, to be perfectly honest. Um, I was a little bit reticent and a little bit hesitant because, as you know, and as I know, media, we like a drink usually, don't we, Scott? Yes. Like, we're doing sober January, we're doing dry January. Yep. Make of that what you will, but I can't remember ever going to watch a wrestling show sober. I don't think I've ever done it before. 
are ever going to a wrestling show and actually remembering the wrestling show. Well, there are there have been instances of that. There's, there's levels to our drinking at wrestling shows. Like when we went to go see Progress in Manchester, um, the first uh, the first time. No, ICW. We went to go see ICW at the Academy. Yeah, it was ICW, wasn't it? ICW was uh, a particularly. I still remember everything, but it was a particularly messy one. Um, yeah, uh, particularly for you. And then when we last went to see Progress, which was in Manchester um, at the old Warehouse Project building, I believe. We had a good drink. I remember the entire day, though. I remember the entire day, but I remember also falling asleep on the tram home. <laughs> uh, so it was obviously a heavy one. Messiest but, one, probably. Go on. Go, yeah. Just, just, just one. Uh, do you remember that? the short-lived HXC promotion? Yes. Manchester-based, hardcore promotion. Yes, that was probably the heavy, the heaviest one, drinking-wise. I mean, that was going back a while. That was a good nine, I, nine years that was ago. long ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, maybe not nine years ago. Maybe eight years ago. Was that, I, think they, I think they were the people who were involved with Future Shock and Phil. Oh, were they not? What, what promotion were they involved? HXC was a hardcore offshoot of some other local Manchester-based promotion. Another promotion. I, I think it was, it was Future Shock. Um, we'd probably have to fact-check that. Um, but it was like a hardcore build night, and uh, yeah, we had too much to drink then. Um, and I barely remember anything of that show, but that's probably because it was so long ago. However, last night I remember everything because I was sober. No, no, me too. Like I said, I, I, regardless of how much I like a drink or I don't like a drink, I went to it sober, and the the atmosphere was electric. To be perfectly honest, like as always, when you when you first get to the building. There's a little bit of a buzz around, you know, It's uh, it gets quiet and it builds and it builds and it builds, but like, it was, as soon as the wrestling actually got on, like, there was, there was a real buzz in the air, the, the, the real, there really was, and I enjoyed it, that, I, enjoyed, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it immensely. I enjoyed that it immensely. did come across on the network that it was very, very uh, lively building, should I say. Mm -hmm. uh, it also gave me, like, in terms of its production and just because of where it was, gave me a sort of old school raw feel because it was obviously supposed yeah. to be in a stadium it's in a ballroom which was obviously like a theatre and mm -hmm. uh, so it had that theatre set and obviously the building actually has a character in itself oh um, very much so and I thought that when I first watched the, the UK Championship tournament um, it's a beautiful did, building yeah that, that they did and I had that feeling then that the, the building really added a character to the entire show um, which is interesting because I think a lot of NXT shows can get like that especially if you see ones that they do sort of outside of um, Florida. Yeah, yeah, outside of Full Sail. Yeah. Out, outside of the Full Sail ones, they do the building themselves take on their own character, whether it be, you know, either in a tent at a festival, like they do a download, or when they're in, like, sort of something that looks more like a sort of auditorium than it does to a big stadium, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. But you um, get more of those buildings in the UK, I think, than you do in North America. Uh, yeah, poten pot potentially. Yeah, I think they probably do have them in. Uh, well, America. the Hammerstein Ballroom, where but ECW uh, the Hammerstein. I always get them two mixed up. Was the, ha the Hammerstein Ballroom and the ECW Arena are they the same thing? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Again, yeah. we may be wrong. We may be infuriating a lot of people, but I believe they're the same place. Um, and it was the Manhattan Center, I think, where they used to do raw. The early, like the early raws. The first yeah, the raws. early raws were at the Manhattan Center, and it was a similar sort of feel to that. Um, you know where the building itself has character. I believe that was a similar kind of room. They used to have ballroom dancing at the Manhattan Centre, I believe, listening to other podcasts and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but, like, it's, it's a really cool old building. It's, like, the, the size of the crowd is um, it's really good because it feels kind of... I don't know how many it holds. It's got to be a couple of thousand. Yeah. But, like, 
due to the way it's all spread out, it's all really intimate. Because where we were sat, um, we moved actually and went to the top to the top floor and sat there. And um, where I was sat, you could see pretty much everybody there, yeah. all the people. And so if somebody shouted something from the other side of the room and got a chant going. You could see the person that did that. Yeah. And it really, it really brought like the atmosphere in. It did. I noticed when it was it, when I suppose obviously because it was smaller than an arena. Whenever they did, you know, the cuts to like uh, obviously you wouldn't have seen this because uh, it was on the network. But whenever they did the cuts to people in the crowd of note, like say when they cut to Charlotte Flair, I well I saw all that happening yeah, in, in real could, time. Yeah. Well, you could really see the you could see it felt like you could see the individual people around them. Yeah. Opposed to just seeing, you know, when you see it in an arena, you can obviously see the individual people around them, but there's then just a vast sea of people behind and they sort of get lost into it. No, I could literally see there's the, the several people around with a few hundred people and everybody craning the next to see. You could see people five rows back going, who's over there? It's Charlotte Flair. Which is exactly what we were doing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. It's really oh, cool. Good. So I didn't watch, just to give you a little... Uh, uh, preface to the rest of the podcast before we get into the main show. I didn't watch the pre-show. Uh, I've yet to catch up on that, so you're going to have to fill me in on the. No pre-show worries, no worries. All right, well, I've got it all down here. Pre-show, first match. Um, I didn't actually physically catch a lot of it due to us fucking about with seats. Yeah. Uh, so our original given seats was in front of some people we couldn't see, but due to it being kind of open and the staff there actually being really sound, like they weren't like arsehole security staff, they would be really sound, they were letting people walk around, and if there wasn't somebody sat there, you could sit there. Yeah. Um, so what? So the first match was, it was it was Ligero, no longer L, but Ligero, yeah. versus uh, Saxon Huxley. don't know if you remember him from the uh, UK Championship Tournament. Uh, uh, yeah. Jesus, Jesus fella, they, they do all yeah, the, yeah, Je- yeah, yeah. the Jesus chants. Yeah, see, I saw him at the uh, first progress show I went to at the Ritz in Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah the, the, the muscle cat, you call him. Uh, he's... He looks a lot bigger in person, actually, him. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, well, in comparison to Ligero, anyway, but, I mean, like, what I've seen, been watching El Ligero, Ligero, whatever, for, for years on the Indies, like. Yeah. And it's really cool that he's got this uh, this platform, but it makes me laugh how they, how they now just call him Ligero. Ligero. Yeah. Like, they're not trying to pass him off as being as from Los Anjos, Mexico anymore. Yeah, I think... The beauty of the of the NXT is is the characters that transform over are still quite uh, raw. They've not been quite sort of. Um, they're still they're still pinning the characters down, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're really? still sort of pinning them d- down a little bit, but they've also not been sort of uh, TVified, if that makes sense yet. So they're still in their rawest form as the person who is portraying them, the wrestler who's portraying them, portrays them to be. So it can seem like you know when you say see someone like Ligero. You're like, well, that's Ligero from like the small indie shows, like, and he's still the same guy. And it's a bit sort of, I find it a bit like, I think, I think it's great, uh, but it can be in the best way possible, quite jarring as well to see some someone who's like not quite as polished, or not necessarily not quite as polished, but not in terms of character, but sort of not quite as sort of doesn't go in there straight away trying to fit uh, any sort of WWE mould. He's just himself how he was. That's true, you know that's I mean? true. They're not trying to... F- mm-hmm. the, the, it's not like in the old days of WWE where Vince McMahon would be like, right, kids, you've got to have a character and you're going to portray it and you've got to be interest, instantly recognisable what you are as soon as you walk through, walk through that curtain, whatever it may be. You've got to be instantly recognisable as being this person. You're a, you're a face... 
you're a heel. It's a little bit more open. Is that the kind? Is that the point you were kind of trying to make? Or yeah, so way off? No, no, no. That is. It's like so they're they're a lot more open and a lot more sort of. I think I guess the the overall point comes back to it's like because we've seen these guys before on other smaller shows or for working for smaller prom- promotions than WWE and NXT. Mm-hmm. It is quite. It's in a, in a good way quite sort of. Um, I'd say interesting to see them in that sort of environment of you know a bigger show and a bigger production because mm-hmm. it's like everything you ever dream of when you see a guy and you're just like he should be on WWE and uh, then well, it used to be when yeah. those guys would get on WWE they'd completely change your character but now it's that guy's on, on WWE as the thing we saw him as when he was on the independent. This is true. This is true. How was um, the match anyway? The match. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The, the match. The match was was good. It was it was an opener. Like Legero got a massive pop. To be fair, like I think everybody who was watching that show, knew that story that you've been talking about. A lot of them have been watching him for years on the Indies, knows how talented he is, knows how hard he's worked. You know, it, it's, it's forever been said that he's one of the hardest working men in in, in the British Indies. And uh, he got a massive pop. And it was it was a good little back and forth. I mean, I'm not too sure how long the match was, but it can't have been more than five, ten minutes. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, it was a good... Fucking hell, he won now. <laughs> it... Was Ligero, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, yeah, Ligero won, I think it was with a drop kick, drop kick off the top. Um, so he, he got his shit in, basically. Yeah. He got his shit in, and it was a decent, it was a decent match. It was a, it was a good opener, and Ligero got the pop he deserved um, for... Uh, I mean, he wasn't on telly. Well, the pre-show was televised. Yeah. But uh, he was happy, people were happy for him. Yeah. That's interesting. What other matches was on there? Um, Island Dawn versus Ginny. Uh, I can't remember if that was actually the next one up. That was an half-decent match. It was good. Um, not, a, not, not a great deal to say about it, to be honest, other than that it wasn't a bad match. Yeah. Uh, it was decent. You've got your usual chants, or your Ginny shops at Primark chants and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Very Brit, very Brit rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Getting all those chants off, but like it's inescapable these days, all those chants. Yeah, there were, there were chants of something I was going to talk about a bit later on as we got into the show. The, well, to be, to be quite honest, the chants I seem to be at their sort of most British, that sort of, you know, that football-style chant yeah. that goes on, um, where they're basically just taking football chants and putting them in, Put them in wrestling. Put them in wrestling. <laughs> they seem to be most common uh, during the first, or they seem to be more prevalent in their first match on the main card, because straight away, after a little while, I was like, this is getting kind of annoying. Um, because I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think you know it's fine. Like it's a thing that exists. It's football culture and wrestling combined, basically. Yeah, basically. It, and yeah, I, yeah. You know, I don't have a problem with football. I quite like it, but I, just that side of that football culture coming into wrestling is something that always just makes me go a bit like cringe, yeah. cringe a bit. Yeah. yeah, it makes me cringe quite a bit, especially when you can see it's like when you can see the person who started the chant and they're so proud. Of <laughs> yeah, it's shit, like, shit eating grin on the face. Really, really happy with himself. Yeah. Which each to their own, but that's even when I'm bladdered, that's not usually how I enjoy my wrestling. No, even yeah, even when I've had a drink or two and I'm watching wrestling, I usually tend to like, uh, you know, as as you say, each to their own. But I kind of like to just sit down and actually um, enjoy the wrestling that I'm watching. But it didn't. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. But anyway, on to the on to the next match, which is what I thought was the best match of the pre-show, which I think should have been on the main card. To be perfectly honest, but they've got time to fill on the pre-show. Marcel Bartel, uh, the, the former Axel Dieter Jr., yeah. Volta's old tag part from Ring Camp, uh, and Fabian Eichner, 
who you'll probably remember from the Cruiserweight tournament. I think he was a, if you do remember, he was in the first round, bald-headed Italian man. Yes. Uh, if you've watched much of the, obviously, the UK, new UK show. Um, so it's them two versus uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Um, uh, the, the match was absolutely amazing. Like, let me just say, I had it all there, how long, how long the times were. Um, I've not got it in front of me. Uh, I'd say it was probably a 15-minute match or something like that. I mean, maybe even less, but like they crammed a lot in to the, to the time slot that they had. Like it was so fast paced; they were working their asses off. They really were. Obviously, Mandrews and Flash they have that real high flying, like British lucha libre style. And um, Fabian Eichner, he, although he was in the cruiserweight tournament, and is a bit of a high flyer, he's more of a stocky guy. He's about two hundred pounds or so. And uh, Marcel Bartel, probably about similar weight class, maybe a little bit less. They had some really good tandem wrestling moves, like a lot of. I saw one which was what was it? Now it was a, it was a suplex from the top rope. Now let, let, let me try and remember which way round it was. I think it was Marcel Bartel suplexing Flash Morgan Webster from the top rope down to Fabian Eichner who caught it and then like kind of did like a brain buster mm. and it was like it was, I've never seen I've never seen that before in my life it was a suplex from the top into a brain buster a tandem move and they had some really good tandem moves I think I even they were more tandem moves not, not, not that I can remember them all right now but like it was a cracking cracking match and I really like the character that um, Marcel Bartel and uh, Fabian Eichner have got going together in their tag team they've got almost kind of Right wing overtones to him. Really, I think so. Anyway, because like, obviously Marcel Bartel is is German. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it here. Impossible. I mean, possibly. I, I I didn't see the pre-show, obviously, so I couldn't uh, tell. And obviously, and then you've got a bald-headed Italian man. Yeah. And like, they kind of have these sort of kind of paramilitary-esque poses. Oh, really? Yeah, when they pose. And it kind of has right-wing overtones, but it doesn't explicitly say what it is, what, yeah. what they're doing with it. And he wears, maybe it's, and he has like a bald head. He's an Italian man with a, with a ball. He wears like a bomber jacket. Yeah. That has right-wing overtones to me. Yeah, I suppose you could definitely see that. Um, right, so is it on to the main show? Um, so the main show opening match was Mustache Mountain against Grizzled Young Veterans. Well, they're not known as Grizzly Young Veterans in, in NXT UK. Uh, well, no, they're not, but that's who they, yeah. that's who they are. I'm just being facetious, man. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so Mustache Mountain, before we get into the actual match, which was amazing, uh, ran just over 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. Uh, just over 30 minutes, maybe just shy of 35 minutes. Um, and Mustache Mountain sort of come out, like, with definite, like, tributes to old-school British Bulldogs sort of, uh, sort yeah. of vibe. Um, they go then they come across really strong. Uh, the wrestling itself was amazing, like that British strong style, really really hard hitting sort of style. And I think it'd be really interesting to see that if Mush, Mustache Mountain go on to be this sort of um, like known as this formidable tag team, because obviously both uh, <clears throat> uh, both guys uh, Trent Seven and uh, <laughs> bloody hell, Scott. What's he called? Tyler, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate. I was about to call him Tyler Banks then. That's what I was going to mean. Both Tyler Bate and Trent Seven have got, like, obviously really, really well-known and well-established sort of singles careers. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be really interesting to see if they do go forward as just a tag team 
um, and just sort of have that moustache mountain, you know, sort of new British Bulldogs type feel to I it. I think they will, because obviously with Tyler winning the the the, U, the first ever UK Championship tournament, they already kind of tried that and went a different way. Yeah. By obviously having the fucking best match of, I want to say last year, was it was it 2017? It was 2017, I think. Yeah, uh, at TakeOver. And they had that amazing match, and now it's all about Mustache Mountain. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing, and I think they should go in that direction. And Tyler Bate is so, so talented, man, for a kid who's 21 years of age. Yeah, well, he's 19, wasn't he? When he, he was won 19 when he won, that, when he won, when he won, the, when he won the title. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah he's, he's not far turned 21. Yeah. And um, the spot that they did when he, uh, he had both of them Oh, when he did the little... He did the, he did the um, airplane work. spin with both of them on his shoulders. Yeah. And he's a lad who, obviously, he's jacked to the fucking gills. Yeah. He, he can't weigh more than me. Yeah. He's he, got to be about 180 pounds, but fucking jacked to the gills. Yeah, he's super strong, isn't he? And he is a big strong... Yeah, big strong If you boy. follow his Instagram, he's always like he's constantly in the gym doing like deadlifts and stuff, which obviously yeah. you can see the reason why. Yeah. But yeah, he is that really... There was a few spots in that match where I was just like, holy shit... And I think that match was possibly an easy contender for match of the of the entire card. It really built really nicely because um, here you go, I've got it here. It's twenty three minutes forty five seconds, and they really yeah. give them the time to work. Like they really, like they really give them, really built up nicely, and like and um, Gibson and Drake are the perfect heels to how over the top and white hot baby faces. Oh yeah, they were, they, they were perfect uh, heels. I mean, Gibson's always been like a perfect heel. Um, I'm really glad that he's not. Not always. You don't remember Zach Diamond Gibson, but that's that's no. that, that's a long time ago. But in terms of like <laughs> sort of well, recently in terms of his heel work, he's always been a really good heel. Like he always gets like. I mean, he used to do it in a way I think <coughs> is which was quite, uh, sort of, <coughs> which I think was sort of quite cheap for the. Um, for, for wrestling which was using football as a way to get heat on the crowd and he used to do that but he's still even since he sort of dropped that really good at getting the, like heat from the crowd like getting himself the crowd to really fucking hate him um, which I think is brilliant and there was a few spots in that match which were just nuts like uh, there's an exploder suplex from the apron that Tyler Bate did that was really impressive and then he followed up straight away with a um, shooting star press yeah, which was yeah, like again yeah, yeah. nuts um, and I think as much as we all enjoy big spots and big sort of um, moments in matches like that, it didn't feel like it was just thrown in for the sake of it, like the whole match did build to a story. They gave him the time to yeah. work, they really did. Which I think is what actually they're getting really good at in the, that sort of British Strong style or the NXT style even, is these big spots that do happen and sometimes can admittedly get quite frustrating. Uh, they do tend to be able to build to them better, like such as the last match on the card, which obviously we'll get to. Um, did that? I thought did that perfectly. You know, sort of built built really well to these really high sort of dangerous spots. They, they did that, but like you said, they'd be looked at as the new British Bulldogs. That's what I was going to say. They actually did the bulldog spot. Did you notice when they did the running power slam into the diving headbutt? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, which I was like, that's the that's the bulldog spot. Yeah. Yeah. I popped a foot for that. Yeah, it's cool, but that was good. That was a great match, and obviously grizzled young veterans, mm-hmm. as I shall call them. Uh, they came away with the new uh, UK uh, NXT UK belt, which I think uh, I think it was a good good result because it gives you know in terms of story of wrestling, if they really are going to push this UK, NXT UK thing, it gives something for rivalry. 
it gives rivalry. it gives a rivalry and it just gives something for uh, Mustache Mountains to build towards if they are going to keep going as this tag team and chase after because mm-hmm. it's that old school classic, um, you know, baby faces chasing the title sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which was great. Um, and the next, I'm just going to open a drink, mate, and because we're not drinking, I've even given you a choice if you want one. So you can have an energy drink which is low in sugar. Or would you like a Bex Blue? I'll try a Bex Blue. Try a Bex Blue, non-alcoholic yeah. beer. Yeah. Tell, I've got an opener. Tell me if you can tell the difference, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll open one too. Right, there we go. So 0.05% alcohol. It's fizzy as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's lager, isn't it? Could you, t- could you tell me if you had, if you blindfolded, and not if you had two beers, because between two beers I think you'd be able to tell the difference, but if you had a drink, yeah, and somebody gave you one of those, and you was already drunk, would you be able to tell the difference? Probably not. I mean, there's dog hairs on mine. Uh, Sorry. But, <laughs> but, um, no, it's all right. It tastes like beer. Uh, yeah, that's fairly nice. There you go. Um, give, that, give, that, give you that. What we will avoid, though, is you know the rawness of the podcast putting it on the same table as the laptop. All right, mate. Sorry, I'll try not to create any rings. He's very proud of his podcasting move. Uh, it's more to do with the sound of beer clunking up and down. They love it. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So, alcohol-free beer aside. The next match, uh, which was a no match to begin with, uh, turned into a the first surprise of the evening. It was billed as Travis Banks versus Jordan Devlin. I don't know if they showed it in the, as I was about to say, arena, in the ballroom. Where I was sat, actually, you couldn't see it. I had to keep on running to the end of the aisle to watch the screens. Then to watch the back. screens, yeah. So they... but, I mean, sorry to put in, but like it was, they did this whole thing, obviously, with Travis Banks being injured. Did anyone, did you look up, because I fucking forgot, did you look up, is Travis Banks injured or not? I didn't actually, I forgot. I because forgot. like he must have wanted, he must have been originally scheduled to wrestle that show. Yeah, you can imagine too, but he did do a pretty big, I mean he did a dive to the outside, um, which is what the builders like first, in, like mm-hmm. the first but part. But he must the, be injured, otherwise you can't just take that away from him. No, I suppose not, they did do a little sort of... Uh, um, segment before of yes. uh, Jordan Devlin attacking him as he entered the ballroom earlier on. Yes. Uh, which had a very sort of old school WCW vibe to it of, you know, fights backstage. Yeah, was that done um, on the fly is what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it looked a bit, it came across as quite cheesy <clears throat> um, initially. I did enjoy it. I mean, wrestling's supposed to be cheesy at the end of the day, <laughs> but I did find it sort of a bit sort of corny. The, mm. the, the the little uh, could you call it a vignette or just segment? Uh, no, it's not not vignette. Not vignette it's just it? a backstage. Yeah, like the, the back, That's what I'm looking for. Backstage sort of um, brawl. Uh, it was good, but it was it was sort of it, it was what it was. But it was a little corny. I felt. And then we got into obviously then so Travis Banks can't compete. So that's the first surprise of the night comes out. Which as soon as he said. Uh, the best Irish wrestler in the world. I couldn't quite catch what he was saying when um, he was saying it live, he unfortunately. Sa- he said something along the lines of, I am the best Irish, and really accentuated the word Irish wrestler right. in the pl- on the planet. And He's um, got big teeth and a big jaw. I can't make out everything yeah. he says. He's a little bit hurt. Yeah, well, that's what he said. And as soon as he said that, I was like, Finn Balor's coming out. And then, obviously, there was a bit of a pause, and then Balor came out. That was such a fucking pop. The, the, oh, yeah, the, Jesus the, the, Christ. The place went bananas, mate. You could fucking hear it on the, on, the, on the network. You could hear it was huge. Um, like, just people obviously going nuts. It was really cool, though. That was really cool to be a part of that. Like, yeah. 
usually with stuff like that, I don't think I've ever seen a moment like that live. And usually, if I'm watching wrestling, um, obviously quite a lot of them have been surprised, but sometimes, awfully, often, often, if you don't want to stay up, you'll watch it the following day, and shit like that gets ruined. Yeah. So I actually experienced that live. Yeah. Like, that was a that was a, a physical buzz for me. It was, it was really cool. I really like it. I mean, I when could... shit like that happens. I could see it coming a mile away, to be honest. Um, as soon as, And I suppose you were supposed to, but I could sort of... I got the impression that something like that was going to happen, and if I could have bet on anyone making a surprise entrance, it would have been Balor. Yeah. Um, but still, nonetheless, it was amazing. And I watched it with my girlfriend, Francesca, who did actually pop when he came out. <laughs> she's only a casual wrestling yeah, fan. She's, she's just like sort of a really casual fan, and she was like, "Oh, it's Finn Balor, amazing." Um, so match is, the match itself was it was good. good. It was it was half decent. I mean, I don't think it was supposed to be, you know, going to be ever try to be the match of the card. Uh, no, no, that's not, that's not the place for it. There's a good bit of history and story there with obviously Balor training um, Devlin in the past, and you know, Devlin, you know, for a while did kind of look like a mini Finn Balor, like in the way he used to move and the way that he did things and the way he spoke. And obviously his haircut's quite similar. And, you know, it's all superficial things, really, but they all, you, to a you know a casual fleeting eye, you could be like, well, that's just a poor man's Finn Balor. That's the chat, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, for a, and obviously that's what he, was, what he was like for a while. And I think this match somehow made, to, even though obviously he's still the heel, did sort of take that away, I think, them actually having a match together. together. Um, he did at one point say to Bala, um, good wrestler, better trainer, which I thought was amazing um, in the ring. Uh, what is a good? No, you're a good wrestler, better coach. Obviously, just general heel shit he's saying to yeah, him, which I think is really I cool. That. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was a good match. And then I've got one little point I made before, unless there's anything else you want to add to that match. Um, no, I just, I just think Devlin's a, he's like, he's a good heel, he's a, he's a believable prick, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's a little like you know. I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely fella, but like he, he does a good impression of being a dislikable knob, knobhead. Yeah. yeah, like small man, complex. Yeah, probably pretty handy, but like you yeah. can tell he's got to be like that's a dislikable quality in somebody when they've got a small man complex and they're bouncing about the place, even though they probably could kick your ass. Like he gives that impression of doing that well. He does that well. He's a believable yeah. bell end basically. And it's a classic story, isn't it, of the the student versus trainer yeah. sort of thing which would be interesting I don't think Devlin's ever going to be up at the main roster anytime soon to sort of put that in a big form but it's interesting that that's there is a little seed that's part of that's part of the narrative now yeah, yeah at least part of the narrative for them um, which I think was quite good even if it was just the narrative for that match but I think it was between so when this happened is kind of irrelevant but I think it was between this match and the next match they showed Kaylee Ray in the crowd, I made, they were they, they were kind of behind us. I saw the back of the red so I didn't yeah. know who it was at first, but somebody told so me. So they showed Kaylee Ray, who's the current World of Sport Women's Champion. Oh, so she is. And oh, Nigel that's Mc interesting. Yeah, what makes it even more interesting is Stroke maybe a bit of a fuck up. Is Nigel Nigel McGuinness said that she's on her way to NXT. Uh, which is really, which I found really. Oh, that's good. I was like, <laughs> ITV won't be happy with her. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> fuck, she's in a lot of trouble with ITV potentially. I mean, she might not be. It might be, you know, we might just be buying into the hype and and stuff. Or being, I hope being, I a, bit, being a bit sort of marky about it, but it did. It's immediately. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, isn't she currently like World of Sport? Well, if they're able to work work me in that, you're using that that parlance. Brilliant. 
yeah, I mean, I do like I, I do like being worked uh, as a wrestling fan. I do like it when yeah, they're doing they're doing it right, man. <laughs> when you know that my belief is suspended to the point where I'm like, hang on, that isn't supposed to happen. And if it wasn't supposed to happen, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if it was supposed to happen and that's how they're doing it I'm like fair play that's cool no, yeah, because uh, I like that and then anyway so after the Travis Banks Jordan Devlin match was Dave Mastiff versus Eddie Dennis in a no disqualification match um, which Mastiff came away with a win mm-hmm. um, oh, obviously to say before Balor came away with a win against Jordan Devlin um, but yeah so uh, Mastiff came away with a win and this was I really thought this was a really good match um, it was it was it was really good. It sl- because they're being big fellas. It was a lot slower than the ma- other matches. Yeah, it was and I think they were better on television. Uh, well, possibly. I mean, I'm not I saying it was a bad match. It yeah. was a very very good match. But I think you can do the pacing a lot better with shit like that with cuts and cameras. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I've seen some slow matches live before, and they they are a little harder to get into. That hard match, hitting though that match, man. It, it was hard. Hitting. Yeah, I was really impressed by Eddie Dennis' strength. Jesus Christ! Yeah, man, he's fucking strong as an ox. Isn't he? He? I wasn't expecting that because he's sort of tall and like he's, I think he's six five. He's six yeah, five. Yeah, he's, like. he's he's tall as fuck. Um, Fairly but, but, light, like he's he's got muscle on him, but he's not jacked. Yeah, he looks light, doesn't he? He looks like he could be sort of like. Well, he is quite agile. Yeah, but I wasn't expecting the strength of him. I mean, he, he lifted uh, he lifted uh, Mastiff up several times, like twice for a crucifix power bomb. Yeah. which I was like, how the fuck is his neck not broken in half <laughs> from taking all that weight? Yeah, um, which was nuts. I like feats of strength in wrestling. I don't yeah. think you see it as much. Well, they had. That, I suppose that was because he showed him. He did it a few times. Lifted. He lifted him up for like a, a reverse DDT, like a, a hanging reverse DDT. Yeah. That was impressive because that's like Jesus Christ. Um, that's some some strength. Uh, lifted him up a couple of times, and that was impressive. And then also Mastiff did a fucking uh, seated springboard moonsault. That yeah, made, that was impressive as that well. Mixed, but I saw that and I was like, Jesus Christ, that was pretty agile. Um, so it was a good match I thought that was definitely more of a um, even though you say it was slower paced yeah they did uh, some hard hits with kendo sticks and chairs and stuff yeah it was like slow paced but I think it was definitely more of a sort of because it was a hard well the big lads though as well you know what I mean so it will be slower (laughs) yeah it was more of a like sort of spot fest if that makes sense there was more big spots in it Um, which I did like I mean I am a sucker for for a, um, a good old spot fest um, when they're done correctly and I thought this one was good obviously a hardcore match is always going to be like that though isn't it yeah I mean, um, the thing about Mastiff something that I don't know if it, well, it must be intentional look at Mastiff's ring gear whose ring gear is that Vader's it's fucking Vader's ring gear they just put him in Vader's gear yeah oh, just, it just says Mastiff on the front yeah yeah so like a, is that lazy or no, is I think that a tribute what think, is it I think that's probably Mastiff doing a little sort of uh, hat tip because I'm pretty sure at one point you also teased going up for a Vader bomb all uh, yes, oh, what I thought because when he did that uh, Dennis was like right in the middle of the ring like really far away from the from the ropes for a Vader bomb and I was thinking he's not going to do a fucking moonsault is he I reckon he could and this, well, this was before he did the sort of the, um, the seated spring what the fuck is that called anyway what the seated springboard moonsault thing he did um um, off the, so it's like it was at the top of the middle rope. It's, so it's the top. I think you, I think you're calling it exactly what I mean. There might be a special name for it, but because there was like a, a, a seated springbok moonsault. That's what yeah. it's called. Rob Van Dam used to do them. 
And the type that Mastiff did was more like um, when Jeff Hardy used to do them. Yeah. Where he goes over the rope and then up on the rope. And then obviously Johnny Morrison's got... Um, and it does cork, the corkscrew The corkscrew one, yeah. which is Starship Pain. Yeah. Um, I think it's just called a seat. I mean, unless seat. it's a, brand, well, a, you, a wrestler branded one. It's just yeah. called a seat at Springbok. Yeah, we get, we get the idea anyway. But for a fucking 20 stone guy, or a 22 stone guy, I've what he is. Yeah, he's a big guy. Uh, it was impressive, but Massive's always been sort of impressive for his size. I remember seeing him on this uh, TNA sort of version of Tough Enough, if boot, you like. Boot, TNA boot camp. TNA boot camp. Yeah. And he was on that and he was getting sick and tired of every trainer that he came across at every stage was just getting him to run the ropes over and over and over again because they were trying to tire him out. Because they were like, you're a huge guy, we need to test your fitness, we're trying to make you knackered. But he's, just but he's, he is fit, like, he's, yeah. I don't know if he was a rugby player or what, yeah. like, but... but he just, you know, on this TNA boot camp thing, he just never got tired, so he's obviously, he has got, a, you know, a, a lot of fitness in him for a big guy, mm-hmm. but to see him as agile as that was nuts. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. You know, yeah. So I was like, Jesus Christ, that was an impressive, impressive move. And obviously, uh, Mastiff got the win with uh, Cannonball, didn't he? Yes, Massive got the win with the cannonball through the table, the table because yeah. all big guys have got to do cannonballs. That's that's the rule of being a big guy. Big guys do cannonballs and sentons. Yeah, that's what they do. See, see the sentons and cannonballs. Yeah, uh, and then after that we had Tony Storm versus Real Ripley. Yeah. Um, it was Real Ripley. R- Re- Real Ripley. Real Ripley. Uh, Real Ripley. She Real Ripley. She part of Enzo's four real rap group. How do you say her first name? Rhea. I mean, she spells it a bit. A bit. Rhea a bit. Ripley. Rhea. 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 Fucking common name, Scott. Rhea Ripley. Rhea. Ripley. She spells it a bit weird. The real Rhea Ripley. <laughs> the real Rhea Ripley, brother. Uh, Tony Storm to, to Rhea Ripley. Uh, this was an all right match. I thought this was probably the most disappointing match on the card. Um, I don't know if it because it sat sort of um, after a lot of big matches before it, but I was just kind of like. Yeah, it's okay. It, I I agree. Like it wasn't it wasn't a bad match. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of probably expected a little more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, which is not to be harsh on them because I'm sure they worked very hard, and maybe they had instructions. I don't know. Like I said, I don't I don't want this to be a negative podcast. I don't want to just I don't want to come on here and be like the majority of other wrestling podcasts and just fucking slag shit off. Yeah, no, I thought but it's... it was slightly lowering. Energy? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I did, I did, as I said, I think the way I round it up in my head is just, I was just expecting more, I think, overall. I was expecting more mm-hmm. from it. It been I think it'd been with it being the only women's match on the main um on the main card, I thought that it was gonna be sort of a really big a big a big match and a big spectacle, obviously because they're crowning the first ever UK women's champion and I thought it would be a lot bigger than it was. But it was still a decent match. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was probably something to do with the time restrictions they had and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature. How long did it run on the network? Because uh, I think I, it was over like two hours 35, something like that, maybe. Oh, the whole show? Yeah. Yeah, the whole show from the main show uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, right. Yeah, so including the pre-show would have been like, what? Uh, it was a half hour pre-show. So it was three hours? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I think, little side note, is a perfect time for a pay-per-view. Um, like, I think, I really wish, and obviously you just flogging a dead horse with this, but because everyone always complains about it, I think if Raw and SmackDown were 90 minutes, maybe two hours, and pay-per-views were three hours, maybe three and a half hours for things like Mania, I think they'd be a lot more digestible than... 
you know, three hour yeah, rolls, so five hour, like main show, main show's been five hours long, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, I know New Japan. Did you, did you watch Wrestle Kingdom? I was going to say, did you watch Wrestle Kingdom? I've not watched Wrestle Kingdom, Kingdom yet, but those are like five hours. You have to watch those. If you don't watch them, Siren. you have to watch those. I mean, I love me wrestling, don't get me wrong. And last time, last year when we watched Wrestle Kingdom at Fab Cafe yeah. in Manchester, like, and I do love me wrestling, and I can get through it because I love me wrestling that much, but like, you know, like, it's tiring watching that many great matches in <laughs> it sometimes. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes, and it might just be because of our sort of the modern era of not wanting to watch stuff that's long. Um, and that you're used to everything being like quick snippets. And that sort of makes its way back into everything you, you watch and view of like, oh, it's how long? But I do think five hours is crazy. Like, to give Wrestle Kingdom as an example, that's five hours of mostly brilliant, brilliant matches. In terms watch, of wrestling. Fucking watch Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yeah. Well, fucking watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking in terms of the one before Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yeah. That I went to see, and because we went to see it, like, sort of at a bar, and you're there to watch it, opposed to watching it at home where you can split it up, I did find myself by the last match being like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm like, you know, and I think a friend of mine, like... Need to stand up and go for a water on the block before I can watch any more wrestling. Like. Yeah, but, like, especially with stuff like Wrestle Kingdom, where it's just match after match after match, and there's not, not much in between. But then, sort of going back to WWE, when you've got like WrestleManias that are coming up five hours long, and there's segments in between, and there's you know sort of halftime shows almost with like uh, Flow Rider, probably. Yeah, but yeah, with <laughs> musicians on and stuff like that, and, <coughs> and you uh, yeah, so there's musicians on and things like that. <clears throat> it does still just get a bit like Jesus Christ. So I think this UK. NXT UK tournament uh, tournament pay per view being three hour or two and a half hours, you know that's a perfect amount of time for it. I think maybe you, you could probably stretch it to three hours, but any more than that, and you're going to get a bit like, right, this is getting a bit much now, and it ends up being like WrestleMania, which is just insanely, insanely. Long. Can be, yeah, can 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 be arduous to get through. But, yeah, yeah. And then so after that, so Tony Storm was crowned the UK. NXT Women's Champion. A little side note I like about uh, Rhea, Rhea Ripley. I really like the way she hits the ropes. Don't know if you noticed. I, can't and I, I don't know if this is sexist or fucking whatever, but she hits the ropes like a bloke. Okay. And one obviously, I, I've never been in a wrestling ring. I've been told that hitting the ropes fucking hurts. Yeah. But like, so I can see why a lot of ladies or lighter men won't attack the ropes yeah because apparently it leaves bruising and it can even make you piss blood according to Mick Foley's book yeah you know if you hit it wrong you end up pissing blood oh really but she's she's quite she's she's like quite a stocky muscular lady isn't she yeah Rhea Ripley like she's a fucking she's a unit basically as a side note she kicked my ass mate yeah if a side note if we're going to get into looks she also looks a bit like Pete Dunne <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see it. And she's, she's, I, I, and when I saw a picture of him side by side, I think she's taller and about as muscular as Pete Dunne. Yeah, it's impressive. But pretty as well. I didn't notice. I didn't. I didn't notice the the ropes thing. I'll but like, because I mentioned it to my wife, Steph, who obviously went with me, and like, she's like, yeah, it's because she she does have quite like a muscular back, but. Like she she attacked those ropes and I like it when wrestlers attack the ropes because yeah. it don't know, it just adds legitimacy legitimacy to it for me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, so Tony Storm away with the win then. Mm-hmm. And then after that we had the main event which Were was, you happy with Tony Storm taking the title there? Do you think it was the right call? 
Yeah, I mean that's fine by me. I mean it was the face uh, getting the title, which mm-hmm. is I mean you've got to put a title on the face occasionally. Yeah. Um, you can't give them all to heels. Um, so I thought that was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I think Tony Storm's a fine champion for that, and I think it's going to be an interesting, especially with all the talent in UK. I agree. Wrestling. I mean, I'm just being facetious. But it seems like yeah, they're, they're kind of strapping the rocket ship to where yeah, it seems like it seems like that that's their star. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's fine. Um, they've got to strap it to someone. Mm-hmm. And after that, we had so the main event: Pete Dunne versus Joe Coffey. Um, Pete Dunne took the win. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a hell of a match as well. I think this and the first match were probably the best matches on the card. I'd agree. Um, this was, again, a really, really good build um, to some really dangerous high spots from the top Which looked top like, road. I mean, like, I don't want, again, I'm not sure if we were being worked or not, but, like, looked like accidents. I when they, they were fell, supposed to look like accidents. When they fell from the top. Yeah, the first one certainly I was did. like, Jesus, is this going to end early? <laughs> the first one certainly did. The first one looked like, you know, right, they fucked up and now they're back. I didn't see time. the landing because it was on my side of the ring. Yeah. So I didn't see um, the landing. Was it a bad landing? Not horrific. Um, could have been, not very easily. Oh, yeah, definitely could have been. It wasn't horrific. So the first one certainly looked like an accident. And then the second one, when they did it again, you're like, surely they couldn't have done that twice. Um... But I mean, if it if it was intentional, the fact that it looked like an accident really built to the story. Because again, as you say, adding legitimacy to something, mm-hmm. stuff like that's going to happen. Especially the way they just kept, if it was an accident, they just kept working with it rather than doing, you know, like oh shit, and then we've got a reset, and then let's get back in the ring. Uh, there was something uh, with this that really did confuse me. If I'm going to be really one of those anal picky internet wrestling fans I didn't understand why after so Joe Coffey slams Pete Dunne on the outside Joe Coffey then gets back in the ring and is waiting for a 10 count I I, I caught that I, caught I didn't that. understand that because I was like, was like well, God, you're not going to win the title you're not going to win the title if it ends on a DQ so that didn't that didn't confuse me and the commentary was sort of building it like oh he's just playing with him and all this sort of stuff Covering, covering, covering for him probably. Yeah, he probably would have realised what he'd done after he'd done it. Yeah, but then they did it again where they both jumped back in the ring at the nine count. But again, if you're going to talk legitimacy, why wouldn't Pete Dunne just lie on the outside? And Oh, uh, well, uh, because he's a fighting champion. Well, yeah, I suppose it's a good point. Um, but but the, first, the first instance, yeah, why would Joe Coffey be wanting it to end in the count out? Yeah, I just think, in my head... When you've got that sort of rule with the count out, where if you if you win via count out, you don't get the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's weird to then work that into the match in some sort of way, if that makes sense, or or have it in the match is so obvious as a count as a referee counting to ten, especially when it's on the guy who's the champion. You know, Tell, explain that one more time, mate. So I'm talking the first. So obviously, the 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 rule is if you win via count out. You don't, you don't win the title. You don't win the title. Right. So to have the... I'm talking about the first one here. Yeah. To have the count-out by the ref be a big thing where they... Kept Whoa! Yeah. Two, and it's right? The, and it's the guy with the belt lying on the outside. I don't understand why you would put that in because it raises confusion. Yeah, yeah. But it certainly did on my part. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's some huge spots in that and then we got uh, Pete Dunne with the win. The one criticism I would have about this is the... Final submission, which was the fingers thing, when they put it on the replay, 
like you could really see that he barely had a hold of his finger. Oh, I, th- I actually thought it ended in a pin. No, it ended up in a, in a, he tapped out. Did he tap to that, right? I Because it was a bit of a scramble at the very end, wasn't yeah. it? And then did he have him in a Kimura before that? Yeah, they were doing lots of submission holds around. Yeah, they were them. like chain. They were like chaining, chaining, and he had them in like kimuras and stuff. And I think it was before then, but and then a close three count, a close three count, and then and then he ended a little up, bit more, and he ended up doing the fingers thing. So you shoulder which, of where I was sat, his shoulders looked down. Oh right, no, he, he tapped on his leg like that. Right, um, and then they uh, they showed the replay in sort of that slow motion kind of thing, and in the in the replay. And obviously this is camera work more than it is Pete Dunne, because Pete Dunne's not going to actually rip someone's fucking fingers apart, is he? No. Um, you can see that he barely has hold of his finger, and it's just sort of, it looks like the weakest hold ever in the replay. Oh, that's a shame. It's, it's like he's just barely got his finger bent back, and he's tapping out. Oh, that's a shame. Kind of, I thought it was kind of a shame to end Someone's up getting fired! Cameraman, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> a somewhat um, uh, sort of soft end to such a brilliant match or at least when they played the replay it was a soft end because in the heat of the moment and the speed of the moment when you see he's got that in and he taps out really quickly that's like one of those fast taps like fuck 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 I'm getting hurt but when they slow it down and you can see that he's barely doing anything to his hand mm-hmm. you know it's a bit like eh, you've, you've sort of lost the magic there a little bit um, so yeah Pete Dunne came away with a win of that one um, then he stood around Crack, that was fucking, it, was a, that, it was a cracker that match wasn't it? It was oh yeah it was brilliant it was we, I'm sure we probably missed some good, some fucking amazing spots in there um, once again they really gave him gave him the time obviously with it being obviously main event really yeah. built really built really 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 nicely like you're finding that with a lot of the NXT stuff and do, do you know something I actually found out earlier today I don't know how accurate it is but I've read it somewhere apparently uh, Jim Smallman's a, a producer for NXT UK Really? Yeah, yeah, he's been involved in producing shit. Wow, that's interesting. So, that'll, yeah, that's interesting from a story writing point of view. Yeah, very interesting. Um, they did go and speaking of uh, story writing and producers and writers and stuff, though, uh, it kind of, in a way, ties into the criticism that WWE took for a long time for having Hollywood writers on its team um, writing storylines and having like teams and teams and teams of writers from Hollywood writing storylines, which is why people say that the storylines often get a little bit sort of confusing or stale or, you know, uh, wrestlers end up cutting promos that, promos that they've not written and they come across as really sort of forced and lame, such as, you know, um, Roman Reigns, for example, for a long time had his promos clearly written for him and they were harming him more than anything else because yeah. he just didn't look like those were words that would come out of his mouth. Yeah, it didn't look like there were words that come out of his mouth or the words that were coming out. It just looked lame and you'd think if you just let him speak, I'm sure it would be a million times better if you let Roman Reigns do it himself. Yeah. If you let him talk, say what he wants to say. And I think they eventually did start doing that where they were letting him speak a little bit more. Uh, and he was own. getting more genuine booze because of it. Like He was kind of getting a bit more heat when he was doing that, wasn't he? Yeah. Which worked for him. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so we probably missed a good few big spots out of that, and then after that match, we had the second surprise of the night, which was the Walter entrance. Yeah, man, uh, which was good because Walter's a big, scary bastard, isn't he? Yeah, and Pete Dunne's a small, scary a smallish, bastard. smallish, scary bastard, size, scary bastard, holding a fucking. He was holding that fucking belt in his teeth without his gum shield in, and it was going right through me. <laughs> <laughs> like when he holds it to he, when he holds, he, he bites it by the leather, doesn't he? 
Yeah, it does, but still, it's going to be fucking heavy. Um, yeah, but he was, yeah, well, yeah. He did, yeah. usually has his gun, gum shield in when he's doing it, and you sort of think, like, yeah. yeah, this is obviously a very small thing that probably only affects someone like me. <laughs> Looking at it going, like, oh, that's fine. But then when he he's doing it without his gum shield, and I was thinking, Jesus Christ. Pull your teeth out, son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Interesting to see where they're going to go with Volta, though, uh, Pete Dunn, because have you ever seen Volta wrestle live? Yes. He, ba- he batters cunts. Yeah, he's... He he's, batters cunts. We saw him at the uh, Progress show in Manchester at the... Um, I, can't, I've, I can't remember the name of the, the building that it's in, but it's the old warehouse project building. It's just called Victoria Warehouse. Victoria Warehouse, that's the one, in Victoria Warehouse. And that's a sort of uh, echoey, sparse place. Yeah. But at the same time, when Volta was sticking those chops in, sweet Christ, they were loud as fuck. Yeah. It sounded so painful. He works well with um, smaller people. I saw um, it was a defiant card at uh, Bowlers in Manchester. It was in versus Osprey for the uh, Internet Championship, and he, he does some really good stuff with people. I mean, Osprey's not small by any stretch of the imagination these days. Yeah, but like compared to Bolter, he is, and like uh, he does really good in that role as the big bully. Yeah. You know what I mean, and yeah. uh, I, I, I imagine Pete can work really well from underneath as well. Like, yeah, because he's sort of a, he's a scr- like sort of he's got a scrappy sort of uh, yeah side that he can bring out as well as all the technical stuff he does. And yeah. again, also doing really like sort of feats of like amazing athleticism. Like um, when Coffee had him held up for the uh, that suspended suplex, and he's upside down in the air, giving him knees to the head. Yeah. That really impressed me. I was like, fucking hell, like the body strength he must have to hold Core himself strength, up like yeah. that. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Crazy, crazy good. Um, but yeah, so that was the end of that card. Um, I thought it was an overall brilliant show. I really, really enjoyed it. And I know a lot of people are going to say they really, really loved it and stuff. I think it's interesting. It's set, pres- it's set precedent. It has. And I think it's interesting because maj- the majority of people, well, especially, well, we are... It, especially coming up from a British point of view. So we do have that sort of um, ingrained bias, if you like, to to UK wrestling, because we love it, because it's not only is it obviously very good now, but it's, you know, it's homegrown, isn't it? Yeah. It's UK. It's, uh, it's you know, for all intents and purposes, air quotes, ours. Yeah. You know, so you've got that sort of bias towards it. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that does transcend into... The wider wrestling community. Wider audiences, like an American audience and stuff like that. And I think, I think a lot of American audiences are going to eat up the whole football or soccer chants that go on, even though it's something that, you know... Kind of annoys us. Obviously, it doesn't annoy everyone; otherwise, it wouldn't happen. But it, it really—that's just a small thing that grates on me with British wrestling for some reason, in particular when they're on stuff like NXT, like doing football chants. Um, kind of, it's the whole off. wrestling fans getting themselves yeah. over thing. One did make you. me. One did make me pop, but it's purely because I'm a Newcastle fan, and the last time I seen this was at a Newcastle United game was they were doing the whole shoes off thing. They do it for Gibson now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've done that for yeah. a while now. And yeah. a, lot of football, a lot of football teams do it, like football supporters do it for their teams. But the last time i seen it, uh, Newcastle fans were doing it. And I was just like... But it's a nice off? bit of interaction. And how did that look on screen? It looked pretty impressive, yeah. It was look, it looked funny. I mean, like, what... I mean, who is it? You got McGuinness and who, is it Vic Joseph? Yeah. Like, as an American, did he say anything about that? Um, nothing of note that I can remember. Um, 
I think something along the lines of I'm surprised these guys can even afford any shoes or something like that. Um, <laughs> something along those lines. I don't think he's being a particularly heelish commentator, but it was something yeah. along those lines. But I, I, I like his it's interaction, and it looks it's just a bit it's a bit fun, and it looks a little bit. It does, and I suppose for a, what for the American sort of the main WWE sort of product and company, and even Vince McMahon, if you like. It's something that's going to make them take notice of actually there is obviously a big fan base here and that's interesting. That's a big, obviously a big part of it is this whole how into it the fans get, which is something that is missing from main roster WWE shows. Which apparently, according to most recent news out there, Vince McMahon apparently watched, or according to somebody who pretended to be Vince McMahon on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't imagine someone said that... I don't imagine Vince McMahon runs his own Twitter by any means. No. I'd be very surprised if he does. But I'd also be very surprised if he didn't watch it. That yeah, sense. yeah. Well, he's not going to sign off on yeah. that tweet. Otherwise, yeah. is he? Because that yeah. chant started. That was one of the uh, biggest chants off that last yeah. match. Yeah, are you watching Are you watching Vince McMahon? Yeah. That was loud, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that come across as really loud on the on the... You could see the commentators like um, were really like Nigel McGuinness, I think, was commentating at the time it was going on and was sort of skating around the words of, are you watching Vince McMahon himself? But he sort of said, yes, every, everyone's watching. Are you watching? That is the chat. You know, you could sort of tell. Who's that, sorry? Nigel McGuinness. You could tell he wanted to say, are you watching Vince McMahon? But he was sort of skating around and being like, <laughs> yes, yes, are we watching? We're all watching sort of thing. Anyway, uh, all in all, I think it was a great show. Uh, the crowd, especially, were very British uh, about the whole thing. I think it was a good representation of British wrestling. Um, I think just to go back a little bit about the point about the crowd, my issue with the football chance is my issue. You're a miserable cunt. That's what your issue is, Scott. Yes, it's like a miserable. No, it goes. But it's my issue with all NXT crowds is when they get too involved. That's when it starts to piss me off, or when they get too self-aware. Uh, that's when it really starts to get on my nerves. Like the "We are awesome" chance that does my head in. I'll agree with that. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna half take the piss out of you for being a miserable fucking Geordie British wrestling fan miser, but the "We are awesome" chance, I want a fucking bottle cunts when that happens. I really do. Yeah, I don't like those ones. I don't, I'm not miserable. Like I like the re- my whole point is that I like the wrestling, and I don't like it when stuff takes away from the wrestling. I like it when it adds to it. And when there is that crowd interaction, I think it's brilliant. But when the crowd sometimes even stop watching matches to, you know, fanny about with a beach ball or something, that really pisses me off. Yeah, even if yeah, that does mean too, actually. Even if, the, even if the match isn't the best in the world. when they Have some fucking respect for the wrestlers in the ring. Yeah, sit and, sit and watch it. I mean, have some. they're doing something that the majority of people could never, ever do. Have yeah. the respect to sit and watch it and be like, right, okay, it's not my favourite match that ever happened. Or even if you think that match was god-awful, that's fine and you can sort of voice that. But when you outright disrespect it by not even watching it, I think delegitimises any complaints you have. Yeah, I love that. Um, but uh, all in all, good show. <laughs> we're going to end there on that, on that sour note, are we? Uh, no, no, it's not a sour note. Uh, we'll uh, we'll recap a little bit, I think. what. So where do you think that the... British, the UK, NXT. How far is it going to go? Yeah, where, how's, it gonna, how's it going to go? Ooh, Bear in mind, well, obviously, they've just opened a performance centre in London. Yes, yes. Enfield, I think, or something. Um, only way is up, surely. The only way yeah. is up, surely. I mean, and do you know how much tickets were to go and see that, to see that amazing fucking wrestling? 
I don't know. Twenty pounds. Really? Twenty twenty. My uh, wife paid for the tickets because I bought tickets to the uh, NXT UK tapings in Liverpool a few week, a few months prior. But it was either twenty or twenty five quid, and that's for a general. Well, not general admission seat. And what were we on second tier? Ended up on the third tier. In the buildings of that size, no matter where you sat, you can see everything. Yeah. It's not like the main, like when Raw comes to the arenas and it's like at least 55 quid a ticket. Yeah. And you're in the fucking rafters. Yeah. And you can, you've got to watch on the screens anyway because it's so far away. Yeah. So yeah. It's not like that, is it? But it's in those kind of size rooms, I mean, I can't, I mean, maybe, who, who knows? Maybe it could get to arena arena stage status who knows if that does happen the price of tickets will probably go up as it is well, right now to, the only way is, do we know how much the Empress Ballroom holds no I couldn't tell you off the top no, of my head no me neither but it's a perfect size room a perfectly priced ticket and it can't get any smaller I mean it's not going to go downhill is it is it no no I, d- I, I doubt it's going to go downhill I, I mean they're, they're, they're putting together like a global sort of strategy aren't they by opening up performance centres apparently that's only the one in London is the first one of many outside of the US uh, that they're opening I didn't finish watching that press conference uh, thing but is that that's the plan the plan is world domination more or less yeah so they're, <laughs> uh, they're, um, yeah they've got a like globalisation sort of strategy Vince McMahon wants the WWE to be a member of the UN and everything <laughs> yeah it'll be that will be next year WWE armies uh, put together uh, yeah so I think it's the only, the only way it is up um, again not to be negative about anything but the, going back to the size of the rooms the bigger it gets obviously stuff like the ticket price and that's only going to go up because it'll have to because if you're in an arena it's going to cost more to run the arena to run the arena than yeah. it is to run the ballroom but it is really exciting to see how much talent can come through all of this uh, and how much is going to transcend maybe or how many people are going to transcend from those performance centres in NXT UK to the main WWE roster is going to be quite exciting. Even though, for argument's sake, I could say that that necessarily doesn't have to happen for you to be, for the product to be, for you as a wrestler to be... No, all you want is uh, a job, and maybe, maybe a bit of a storyline and a chance to work regularly. Yeah. I mean, the old thing of, like, if you don't want to be the champion of the world, you're not in it for the right reasons. Bullshit. I think, yeah, I think that those days are long gone now. There's so many different promotions mm-hmm. because you could you could easily have the argument of, well, the product of NXT is way better than the product of the main roster, so why would I want to be there? You know, the, wrestl- the, exactly. the wrestling especially is, is way better. Why do you think people like Pac and Cody left? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can, oh, yeah, really? you can. There's wrestlers like that who were such good wrestlers, who all they wanted to do was wrestle properly. Mm-hmm. You know, who were on the main roster and just left, sort of blown in the wind. They've left to go elsewhere to go elsewhere because you can now. You can you can do that. I mean, do, do we want to talk about AEW? We didn't plan to, but do we want to talk uh, about AEW? We didn't plan to. I mean, as of recording, AEW have only they've done the press conference. Done the press and conference. They've announced talent. They've announced talent, and I think Jericho has come out and said that he wouldn't have signed if there wasn't a significant TV deal on the table. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and there's something there's like something like over a hundred million dollars have been pumped into it. And is it is it the bloke who like uh, owns the Jacksonville Jaguars or something like that? Who something like that. Is the owner. Yeah, something like that. Something, yeah. and it's quite exciting just to how much how 
met how much talent is actually signing to AEW. I mean, like, for those, I mean, I'm sure if anyone is going to fucking listen to this, they'll know what we're talking about. But full disclosure, AEW is... Uh, all, elite, all, all Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling, and it's a new promotion that has been set up to rival WWE, uh, or at least be its closest rival. Um, and it's they've got some really interesting names uh, on the card already, such as Pac, uh, such as Cody Rhodes, who's been m- more or less the face of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since it's since it's been sort of announced, and then even huge names like Chris Jericho, who's obviously mm. a, a Hall of Famer um, yeah. in the making, sort of thing. Even he's signed up to AEW, and you know he's he's the one that's come out and said he wouldn't have signed unless there was a significant TV deal on the table. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen there. But as of recording, uh, which is the night after the UK NXT. Tournament, which is the takeover, mate. Takeover the tournament. I keep saying tournament. Jesus, the take the UK NXT takeover, which is the thirteenth of January two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. This is all the information we have on all elite wrestling so far. All it's, the information that we have, anyway. <laughs> all the information that we have. Yes, was probably way more um, as uh, un, as un, un uh, researched that segment that we just tangent. We're just into talking. Was. We're just blown. We're just talking. Yeah, it's fine. Well, if we do want to wrap up, but I mean, it, it's slightly old news now. It's a week or so old. Um, but I want to hear your opinion on the um, Priscilla Kelly tampon spot. Oh, yeah. Um, initially, well, obviously it's gross. Full disclosure, should, should we tell people what we're talking about? Yeah, so Priscilla Kelly... Um, and I don't know who she was wrestling, unfortunately. <laughs> she was wrestling some unfortunate... Tuna, uh, who I think she was called, Tuna. Was, yeah, some unfortunate uh, wrestling uh, wrestler. Um, and they did a spot on an indie show where she pulled a tampon, or seemingly pulled a tampon out of herself and shoved it in the mouth of her opponent, um, which was pretty gross. I thought it was fucking brilliant. I thought, yeah, I, th- <laughs> I thought it was funny. It's gross and funny. It's no, there's no difference to. You've got a reaction. That's yeah. What they want is they well, want a reaction. I mean, that's where the issues could probably come in with it. In terms of where I have an issue, there's other things I have an issue with it for. Not, not the spot itself. It's no different, in my opinion, to when. Um, the Joey Ryan. He did like a fucking spot with a Johnny or something. I never yeah, seen or it when um, what's he called? Davy Boy from ICW. Um, fucking a, a tea bag. He did a tea bag off the top rope, was it? Tea bag, and he was, and he ended up with his fucking balls out, and it was just grim. <laughs> and it's grim, and it gets a reaction, and it. And obviously, it. Obviously, it gets a reaction, and it makes people laugh, um, or it makes people gross out, and it gets people talking. Um, my issue with it, I'll side with um, Jim Cornette. Of all oh, people, really? I wasn't um, expecting you to say that. Of mate. all people on I this. thought you were a very progressive young punk gentleman who is I am I am no I'm not siding with him completely the the reason I sided with him was he said what delegitimised it all was her defence of it was well it's all fake Uh, did you read her full comments there's more to it than that yeah obviously there's, there's way more to it because there's obviously the whole like there's you know one rule for one one for all the other or one rule for everyone else thing there's a whole why can't you know this is just this is a spot in wrestling this is what I'm doing but that the word fake still being thrown around in it, it does kind of make well, if it's it, why tell us if it's fake, you know what I mean? Um, well, it's 
Okay. I don't think it shouldn't have happened. I think it's fine that it happened. Yeah. You know, it's gro- it's supposed to be gross. I think me saying it's gross isn't a fucking... Revelation. A revelation, or because I'm a big misogynist, it's because it was gross. You know, sitting on someone's face with your balls out is gross. Yeah. You know, but it's supposed to be there to get a pop. It's supposed to be there to get a reaction. Yeah. Um, which, on those small indie shows like that, is a lot of times what they're trying yeah, to Yeah, like, it was a 21-plus show, in a bar, everyone's, you know, having a drink... And involving themselves in adult goings on, mm-hmm. and you know, when it comes to my entertainment, once I've had a drink, you said yourself a number of occasions when you've had a drink and you get black, you're pissed up. You come back from the pub. I want to watch some fucking CZW tournament of death. I want to see some cunt get power bombed off a garage through a spike. Not a when spike, but spikes a bit much. I'll do it but you, you like watching violent wrestling when you're drunk. You've I do. That, it that's a, it's a, it is a little uh, it's a little sort of wrestling secret of mine. As soon as I've had a few, especially when I get back home, if I've been watching wrestling, if I've been watching a wrestling show and I've really, really enjoyed it, but then afterwards I've had like a few more beers. Blood lust. Yeah, when I get home, I want to stick on some really, really hardcore matches. A really weird one to go to is JBL versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, at a backlash, I can't remember the year, and it's fucking insane how much blood is in that ring. Um, it's just the whole shock thing, as you say. It's just shock. You just you just want to be shocked and like, holy fuck! Like, yeah, people like watching horror films, and it's it's that side of it's that side of wrestling. You're watching it. Too yeah, shocked. I think. I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with what you did. That side of wrestling. That's that's a, that's a side of wrestling. It's shock wrestling. It's a thing that exists. If that didn't exist, then stuff like. Tech, big technical wrestling or matches of that nature wouldn't be as exciting. It wouldn't be as um, what's the word? Not exciting. It would be as exciting, but there wouldn't be. It would it, if all you got was technical wrestling, or all you got was big man versus small man, yeah. or all you got was hardcore matches, yeah. or all you got was shock wrestling. The other stuff wouldn't seem as interesting. That makes sense. No, it's a broad spectrum out there. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the fact that there's lots of different wrestling, different strokes for different folks. Is this? But it, it pissed some people off, though. Didn't it, it did piss some people off because people are more. Yeah, winding exit. Yeah, it didn't it? Didn't like when I said I agree with Jim Cornette. I agreed with when he got mad at the fact that her defense of it was that it's all fake because he got mad that she's a wrestler and that she's telling people, but it's fake. Right, yeah. I see. Um, I think he was mad at other things. Oh, you 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 reckon she should have kayfabe the entire way then? Yeah, of course. If you're gonna do something, kayfabe it. You're gonna do do something. Go commit. for it. Yeah, commit. Commit. Just become the biggest heel ever, like Sammy Callahan. Yeah, fucking, fair, yeah, fair play. Nearly fucking killed someone and then just refuses to apologise. Even though, I mean, yeah, even though, I mean, I'm sure behind closed doors, he's probably a lovely bloke. He probably is, but in all interviews and everything, and all like podcasts, when he was on Jericho's podcast, yeah, and he that. just comes across as a prick. I don't think he is a prick. I mean, if he is, fair enough, but if he's kayfabe, I mean, that's what I want. That's what I want, yeah. yeah I think fair. she just, I think what she did was, fi- was fine, you know, it was, obviously, it was gross, it was supposed to be, but fucking kayfabe would commit. Go like, yeah, I'll fucking do it to the next person I, I wrestle. Yeah, rub fucking fanny blood in your, yeah. <laughs> fanny blood! Uh, <laughs> and on that note, And on that bombshell! Uh, yeah, so I think, is that about time to wrap up? Yeah, man, I've I've uh, no uh, no closing comments other than uh, takeover with Min. I might try watching wrestling again sober, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, good. So thank you very much. You've been listening to Canned Heat on the Aaron Meta Show. <laughs>